Hey everybody, welcome to the Grassroots Government Podcast. It's been a minute, but we're back at it. And there's a lot of good news, great news for Louisiana farmers that, uh, especially crawfish farmers, and we're gonna talk about that. I'm here with Andy Brown, the National Affairs Coordinator in his kitchen. And uh, it's Friday afternoon, so if you're hearing this Monday, Tuesday, uh, sorry, but this is all really fresh. We're trying to get it to you as quick as we can. Um, so anyways, Andy, what's what's the latest? I know it's been a busy week for you. Tell me what's going on. Uh, I'm glad to have news to have the need for a podcast, Carl, because you know we've just been kind of in a waiting game, and I've been getting call after call, day after day, of when is some news coming, and I've been right there with everybody else wanting to share something, but uh can't manufacture news like this but we do have good news um first and foremost just for this food assistance program we've been talking about uh, in general just you know no matter what your commodity may be that you produce um american farm bureau led the charge to extend the deadline for that program mm. and we've been successful in getting that extended to september 11th uh, so that was the first piece of news the second that would apply to everybody uh, that qualified for this program. If you had qualified before, you only got 80% of whatever the rate was that they gave you uh, for your particular commodity or commodities. Why, why was that? Well, they this was all a guessing game. So this okay. program had a lot more commodities in it that than a typical farm USDA program would have. A lot of specialty crops, livestock, your cattle folks haven't historically gotten a lot of, of programs, uh, payments. So they were they were guessing. And uh, thankfully they, they overestimated and there's still money out there to be had. So that's part of the deadline extension, but then they're also gonna to pay that 20% that they had held back just kind of as a reserve to make sure, you know, they didn't wanna, Overpromise and underdeliver, and have to try to scramble back to Congress, who can't agree on anything, to try to get more money out yeah. of them. So it's, it's a way to make sure everybody gets at least some money that was applying early on. Yeah. So you know, like uh, my wife and I do, we try to have a, a little money left in our check uh, mm -hmm. to make sure if something pops up that we have the funds to cover it. Right. Same deal with this. Um, you know, they they weren't sure what all their expenses were going to be, so let's let's hedge our bets and have a little kitty at the end. And if we have it, then we'll we'll spend it and get it out to those that it was intended to go to. Just a little bit bigger check than what you're dealing with at the end of your month. Yeah, there's no billions uh, coming <laughs> to the old region's account uh, at any point. So. so just to bring everybody up to speed, myself included, I think we're talking about 16 billion. Is that the number? Yeah, so that's what was allocated. Um, and it was, a, it was a combo deal. So uh, the CARES Act uh, didn't allow for that much, but they were able to pull some from the CCC that USDA has control over um, already. So those combined for an overall CFAP food assistance program of, of 16 billion. Gotcha. And that's the money that's going out to these. Uh, I know cattle was an early um, kind of big win for, I mean, cause it's not like you said, usually included in these kind of programs and uh, relief packages. Uh, what other, what was, what else was covered early on in that program? Yeah. So the initial announcement uh, was kind of in three categories, livestock, which was mostly, you know, beef cows, but it did have, uh, some pork producers in it, uh, and some other, uh, sheep, some things like that. But then there was the traditional, they called it a non-specialty crops, but I would call it a traditional crop. Uh, your corn, cotton 
and soybeans. Uh, they had a payment as well. And then specialty crops had a, a bunch in the first rollout, but that along with um, aquaculture and nursery crops were kind of your wild cards that, that really have never had much to do besides some crop insurance type programs for some specialty crops. But a direct payment like this is not something they've seen before. So, yeah. And specialty crops, you're talking about a ton of different, I mean, very little niche market kind of stuff, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny to even think about. I mean, you see them in the grocery store, or, you know, you, you know, you hear about them, but we don't grow most of them in Louisiana or even in your garden at home. You don't see much rhubarb and uh, cabbage and, you know, apples, you know, fruits, a lot of fruits in there. Um, and even like herbs and things, dill and mint and some others. So, yeah, it was it was a learning curve, not just for FSA, but also for the types like me that really have a a larger presence in your bigger commodities so but they're out there and they needed assistance too i'm sure it's also been a learning curve on those guys that grow those crops well that's funny you bring that up carl because that's part of a big part of why we believe that this 16 billion isn't getting spent as fast as they predicted is because if fsa doesn't have record of these people to know they're out in the community and if that community isn't tied into uh, farm groups and to places that get the word out about this kind of thing, like you and I are doing, then how do you know to go get the money? So that's been a challenge. I'm a farm kid. Uh, I've always known about the FSA. My family grows row crops, these traditional crops you'd call. Why aren't, and this is, I, we didn't even talk about this. I'm just throwing this out, putting you on the spot, but why aren't these other specialty crops as involved with FSA? Uh, versus well, these traditional crops. They're a lot more niche market. Um, they are not grown across states. You know, they're pretty specific to certain states and even regions within those states. And there's just a sheer number game. You know, I mean, that's, you look at the Farm Bureau, we'd be happy to represent those people, but we don't have commodity committees specifically for cantaloupes or watermelons or rutabaga or what, like whatever you want to, pick we have a specialty crops and like a nursery uh, crops mm -hmm. committee but that's a lot more diverse of a group than say our livestock committee that is either in the cow calf or stocker cattle operation for the most part so it's it's such a diverse group to just lump them all together and unify their voice mm -hmm. is a challenge for them and a challenge for us and fsa as well because it's such a niche thing Right, so, right. I guess they don't have yearly business to handle with FSA like maybe some other crops would. Yeah, they just, they're not, uh, they haven't been in farm bill programs. And uh, I'm not going to say that they don't contribute to the national security like corn and beans does. They have their part to play. But overall, it's just not the industry, the big business that traditional row crops, livestock, dairy those big ticket items gotcha. are sorry for that little tangent i was just curious all of a sudden uh we've talked about it and i've heard you mention this before and i've heard it just said about a lot of these specialty crops not being involved with fsa as regularly but i didn't know why so yeah it's i mean it's like i say it's something we haven't thought about but it's also been a challenge for fsa to think about and as we you know we're we're touching on that's why they haven't 
had this spend as fast. But then we also are of the opinion that they haven't announced everything yet. So there may be people until now anyway, that were waiting to see what all was out there. Maybe they grow multiple specialty crops and were wanted to apply it all at one time. So that makes sense too. Now we have the, the final language. We got the rules. We're interpreting them as fast as we can. Uh, and as if anybody has been listening to this, you know that my life's revolved around crawfish for mm-hmm. quite some time now. And, uh, so we, man, what a win, um, success, a team effort, but, uh, so crawfish is included in the in that specialty crop. Crawfish is in, and that feels really good to say. I've been saying it for about mm, 24, 36 hours now, and uh, can't say it enough because yeah. it, it was a lot of work. But uh, we have a, a good uh, program, we think, to, to help crawfish producers who were hit really hard. Well, I think, we, I think I got you off this topic. You're talking about the paying the 20% on top of that 80% that people have already been paid. And moving forward, it's going to be 100%, correct? Right. So for any of these that, that we've I mean, mentioned that have been added, uh, there was 41 additional specialty crops. Aquaculture got in. Nursery crops, cut flowers got in. Um, you know, And then the, the only other change really was that before it was only lambs that qualified. Now all sheep qualify, but I'm, I'm not in the wool business or the meat lamb business so i don't really go there but yeah if if a craw fisherman a crawfish farmer goes and applies um they won't get a split check they'll get 100 percent whatever that rate says on that form that's what will be coming nice so crawfish is in what does that mean for crawfish farmers you know is, is it just crawfish farmers as a wild cult is i mean how, how is all where where are the details at? I mean, yeah, so that's been the huge debate, uh, and honestly, in just the the normal regs that came out, we did not have clarity on that. But from talking with FSA this morning, uh, the handbook that they received did give clarity that this is only going to cover at least through FSA farm raised crawfish in a controlled environment. So controlled environment being like a pond on your farm. Right, right. So if you're if you're a wild catch guy and you uh, have a commercial fishing license and um, go that route in the basin or wherever it may be, uh, you need to to keep the pressure on wildlife and fisheries because there is commerce money that went through NOAA down uh, the chain and we won't get too much into that, but it is, um, you know, we, we ride with the crawfish promotion board. Farm Bureau has the opinion that crawfish is crawfish, but when it comes to this reg, I was one of the first ones saying it, that the language was pretty clear that um, if you're wild caught, you're going to end up at commerce, and that seems to be what has happened. So that's not that's not us telling them that. That's just the, the way it was written and how we've interpreted it. But we're, we've been trying to help those guys, too, to find, you know, find some assistance, and we'll, we'll continue to do that. Yeah, the work's not done at all no no we uh and that's been a huge response so let me get back to the the farm raised crawfish Mm -hmm. um there's like everything with cfap it's a a two factor or three factor payment for crawfish it's two uh, and all that means is that you'll put down two numbers that have a a rate for each and it's kind of a a formula, if mm-hmm. you will, but the the big piece, the main piece, and the easiest, thankfully, is going to be that you take your production, what you caught and sold. Make sure it's it's the sold part uh, from January fifteenth to April fifteenth. Any production in that time frame 
times 65 cents per pound. So yeah, we wanted it per acre and that would have been a lot more simple and, and those discussions are out there, but what you need to know, what you need to be looking up is your, your production records from January 15th, to April 15th. And, uh, that's the first piece of that. So application. 65 cents per pound. And that's just for what was sold. Just what was sold. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So the other piece of that, that we put a lot of effort and probably took more brain power from LSU to quantify is what was left in the field. What, what you didn't catch the days you decided not to go fish maybe you couldn't justify bringing in your labor if you use foreign labor um you know there's a lot of factors there but there was a clear reduction in days fished or amount you know there just wasn't a market there so why am i gonna go crank my boat up or hire more people if I'm not going to get a return on that. Why do it if you're going to lose money doing it? Exactly. So uh, there is a piece in this program to help with that. Uh, It is five cents per pound, but we need to be very clear about that. This is the most confusing piece, and we're still still sorting through it to a degree. But um, if after April 15th, if you kept selling, um, you know, any of that should not be put towards this if um it's it's really going to come down to i fished less days or my production was down because i didn't fish as many acres or whatever you there's there's multiple ways to fact you know figure this out but the key thing is is they're gonna do um there's opportunity for them to audit you to check into your production history you you know the signup's going to be real easy and loosey-goosey but the compliance has to be there. You want to be confident in that. Yeah, you want to be able to stand by your what the numbers you put down on paper. Yeah, so people have been confused. How am I going to sign up? I mean, Crawfish is one of those that's not typically a FSA customer. Mm-hmm. So this is new to a lot of folks, especially that are just straight crawfish farmers. You know, if you're a rice farmer, you might have uh, dabbled in some farm programs. But for Crawfish, um, when you sign up just for the CPAP program, because of the restrictions of of COVID, um, it's pretty simple. You write it down, you sign it, but that is a a contractual legal document. So you need to, you know, anything you sign, you need to be able to back up. So, um, the signup will be easy, but you'll, you'll have to have production records or sales receipts or things to verify any of these numbers, whether Mm -hmm. it's the 65 cents or the five cents. You can't just pull numbers out of thin air and and just throw them down on paper and get a check in the mail. Nope. Nope. And that's something I don't think anyone's mistaking and thinking that, but just for clarity's sake, I want to be, we need to be painfully clear that like, you can't just, can't just come up with some numbers that look cool. And like your dream numbers, maybe even like, Oh man, if we could only make this per acre, that's not, it's not the time to dream on paper. Right. Yeah. And just from a dollars and cents, um, mindset for the farmer out there that that's going to fill this out. If you get caught and can't verify that five cent portion, you'll be required to pay back the whole piece. It won't just be, well, your 65 cent, your actual production was correct, but your inventory number was outrageous and you can't prove that. You just scrap the whole thing? You got to pay it all back because at that point you're labeled as fraudulent and and you're done. So, So and it could jeopardize your qualifications to apply for programs in the future as well so how does that happen does that come like in an audit you, you, 
audit like six months down the road or how, how does that yeah we don't I mean, know the I know, time frame, I know it's the but, wild west right now kind of but yeah i mean that's the that's the what reason this program is the way it is is that they're trying to get the money out as quick as possible because there's a huge need for it and then they'll come back later to do spot checks compliance audits those things and so um I'm sure there will be some people, Carl, that think they can get away with it on the front end. I doubt it's your, you know, guy that may listen to this podcast because the they're plugged in and they're used to dealing with these things, likely. But uh, the person out there that wants to take advantage is what will give this a black eye. And I mean, there's already discussions that this could help crawfish roll into future programs and have more of a safety net and be more legitimate of a commodity. On the national, like the, in the FSA's eyes. Right, right. Because we're on the map now and they see that we're legitimate and that this brings in a lot of revenue for the state and the region and so forth. So uh, our committee, the folks that tell me what to do, are, are looking into that. You know, do we want to have more programs? Well, if all it takes is that one farm that decides they were a million pound producer when they're really only a 10,000 pound producer to lie on their application well we all know that's the one that the news is going to pick up and run the story on and then we've got a black eye and then our whole reputation's hurt so we really can't risk that yeah so what's some advice maybe to some of these crawfish guys that you know are working with fsa on the front end i know you've worked closely with craig mccain um <clears throat> fsa state director and uh even his staff you've been in a lot of these conversations i know by the time people are listening to this they're taking phone calls. They're taking appointments and applications. What what does this kind of next couple of weeks look like for people that are wanting to get involved and 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 maybe apply for this? Yeah. So money? you know the message they've asked us to put out there first and foremost is to be understanding that they're not operating normally just like the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to call. Most of this is going to be handled electronically you can't just come up there they pride themselves on person-to-person -person customer service and it you know they they just aren't able to do that right now mm -hmm. but they're going to take care of you they've um they've proven that time after time but for these folks who are new to the game you know just stay patient and, and calm and they'll get you figured out they've got the rules and regs to study over the weekend um and come next week they're going to start cutting checks so just be understanding of that. What's, I mean, does everybody need to go just straight to their parish county office right there in the local level? Yeah, you would work with your um, local office. Uh, and if if they can't handle your situation, they, they're good about getting help. They've, they're a well-oiled machine. They're just uh, overloaded right now with things to do because this isn't the only program that they're having to operate. And it's drug on and they'll be complicated stories, but they'll they'll work through it and we're working as well to try to get information out with lsu you know, folks will see that next week we may even tag it with this podcast yeah, we'll, i'm we'll sure we'll be able to share that with this podcast in a link somewhere somewhere or another but well i've always wanted to pull the avery or Kristen and say check twilatv.org and check the link or whatever yeah. they say on link Twilight. in bio yeah <laughs> yeah the so, instagram influencer shout out to them because we'll uh we'll do the same deal but yeah, yeah they the information will be out there. Uh, the crawfish payment is here, and we're excited to see it get put in motion. But we do have to be um, 
you know, time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. We've I'm less looking than at my a month. calendar right now. We got one, two, three, four weeks right. from Monday, like whenever this is going to start rolling. So, yep. So that, I'll be a little candid on that just from a politics standpoint. And, and that'll help us kind of look to the future a little bit that uh, there was already one push and we were successful and it was needed that, to get this deadline ex- extended. But to ask to do that again would be putting in jeopardy, I think, our chance at future funds, future farm programs that are still needed. Um, we're in the middle of negotiations right now for another round of stimulus. Uh, and if we can't prove that this Will it money be under CFAP, uh, well, there's kind of two discussions going on. So first, uh, we heard today uh, from Secretary Purdue was quoted that there's likely uh, or the potential anyway for another round or version maybe of CFAP may not look exactly like this one. It'll be different dates, I believe. Um, but that remains to be seen. But there's I think that would be spent out of money they already have from CARES Act and CCC. But then we're also looking to this HEALS, HEROES, uh, next stimulus package. Um, Which is not just ag. That's all stimulus. Oh, for, yeah. It's, that's the big, one of those big trillion-dollar packages. Is that what's coming out of Congress? Right. So our $16 billion that we've been hammering on now, that came out of the CARES Act, which was a $3 trillion uh, package. No, two trillion. Excuse me. Two point uh, something. Yeah, low twos. If if there's such a thing as low trillions, but <laughs> uh, so the next thing is the debate of the Heroes Act, which is the House Democrats led package, which is three trillion plus dollars, um, versus the Senate Republicans led package, that is the Heals Act, that is around a trillion. So, ag is really not the main. Um, bickering point a lot of it's unemployment and education and you know the things that touch everybody Mm. uh, when it comes to politics but ag's in there and uh, we've heard from uh, Chuck Schumer on the floor one of the first things he brought up hating on the uh, on the heels act were pieces of ag so it'll be debated but um, we'll see but just kind of the circle back all this is going on while we're trying to spend the last round so to continue to extend deadlines for cfap would in my mind kind of jeopardize our case for what i do lobbying needing more money right like it's you know you haven't spent the first your first bunch of money right so when you know mr scott used to give you an allowance every week if you hadn't spent uh last week's allowance he was probably a little more hesitant to give you the next week's he probably want to know what you did with it I had so. zero issue spending money <laughs> that's what i figured uh, i didn't I still don't yeah guess so, my wife. uh if you're like me the piggy bank was just a uh a statue on the shelf there was no change actually <laughs> in it but that's our government they don't have uh, anything in the bank so we'll, we'll figure out a way to spend it i have no doubt so you're talking about maybe some CFAP money coming in this next Heels or Heroes Act, possibly? Will yeah. it be called, like, will it be just put into that same CFAP bank? Assuming we have no more issues and there's some money that finds its way down there. Well, the, the Senate version uh, had $20 billion for ag, and it was real loose on mm-hmm. how it, it gave USDA the authority. But that makes sense because it's a Republican administration and they want to let 
Sonny Perdue and uh, ultimately President Trump decide and win, you know, get the, the wins publicly mm. for how they spend it. Uh, Heroes Act, right the opposite, had a lot of stipulations, had a lot of oversight, watchdog stuff that would dictate. So CFAP may not look like CFAP under a, a Heroes Act version, mm. but we really feel like we could work with either version yeah. and that's not just political speak we we found good pieces in, all, good of in all of it yeah. that's probably the case with most stuff you deal with there's probably something you can work with and a lot of things that maybe some might be more desirable but some you can always find something to work with well you know how it is that's a reflection of our leadership the farmer you, you give us something we'll make it into what <laughs> we can use it for it may not look like you gave it to us but we'll work with it yeah and, and especially when it has the word billion attached to it, I'm sure any farmer would uh, happily work with, with billions of dollars. So. You alluded to something a minute ago, talking about you know the Republican version having something that gives President Trump some wins, you know, and some you know, positive stars by his name. That political aspect is something that's here to, here for here to at least November. What? Uh, how, how is that going to, you know, the next few months going to affect how any of this money comes down the comes down the line? I mean, we got a presidential election. We got, I think you said something about a possible government shutdown. There's a lot happening in the next couple of months and a lot of money still being talked about. Right. So um, it's weird to say, but thankfully we have a government shutdown looming in September because it seems like the 116th and the 115th Congress before that can't do anything unless they have a deadline. Hard deadline. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, people need deadlines. I, I respect that. But when you're uh, dealing with a global pandemic and there's immediate need, uh, you, you hate that that's the case. But that is the case. And a, a lot to do with that is the fact that there's a big time presidential election and there's a across the, the country we may not have a whole lot of highly contested races in louisiana but across the country there are a bunch and there's a house and a senate that could flip either way that's just the way the the counts are going but uh yeah we'll, we'll see it's gonna have everything to do with these negotiations that's they could have figured this out by now but they just don't want to give an inch you know and and hopefully a shutdown and a pandemic and the needs that are there will get them we'll, to we'll, we'll eventually win right that's They'll the be, most important there's gonna have to be something that's bipartisan of some degree you know there's gonna have to be a, a deal cut one day and um thankfully we feel like we can we can fall somewhere in that and, and get a win for ag so for me that doesn't really follow the process I may follow it okay, I guess, but there's the Senate Republican version. There's the Democratic House Repu uh, version. Mm -hmm. What's the process in those both moving and becoming kind of some kind of compromise between the two? So they'll have to eventually form a conference committee. Between the Senate and the House? Right. And because the bills are not mirroring bills in any shape or form. Mm -hmm. And so... Unfortunately, the way things have gone in our government as of late, um, most of that, which should be happening in Congress, is happening just with the leadership 
of both chambers and the White House. So most of that will probably get figured out before, before Congress ever gets into conference. Um, but in the same, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast because if, if Congress figures something out and the White House doesn't like it, then they'll veto it and we'll be back to the same deal. So mm -hmm. it, it's kind of uh, a shortcut to, you know, government 101 or the old, uh, what was the, the song of Schoolhouse Rock, where they, uh, how the bill how, moves. How a bill gets passed. Yeah. Or, yeah. How they, a bill becomes a bill or something. Yeah. At all the meetings I go to, there's some nerd out there that loves to play that video and thinks it's real cool. But. Joe Mapes taught me about that. I didn't know anything about it. I well, didn't see Joe might Rock. be one of those nerds because he, I think he's a big fan of that song. But he is. Um, <laughs> Probably I was thinking before our Hamilton time. stuff. I want to be in the room where it happens. Oh, well, yeah, you're out <laughs> of my wheelhouse there. I but. don't want to be in that room where it happens. <laughs> but well, it, hopefully uh, an agreement. And one piece that I, I keep thinking I'm going to touch on, and I forget that most of our listeners would be more concerned with than any of this, is an MFP. Because that program, market facilitation program, especially for our row crop folks, um, was a much better success than CFAP has ever pretended to be how so uh a lot more money that made it to the farm okay. um you, it actually got administered yeah i mean it it but it was more it didn't have near as many commodities in it so just because i work more in row crops than livestock or crawfish or mm -hmm. any of that it's more near and dear to my expertise but um mfp covered a lot more of the year you know it covered full year production and not just a quarter yeah the cfap quarter is what's making everybody mad that if you didn't really get hurt in those dates and some of that you got hurt because you made bad business decisions of selling livestock when the market told you not to those kind of things mm -hmm. so market facilitation is what a lot of people are looking for and even an expanded market facilitation is what AFBF and we would kind of hope for to include some of these other commodities, but that's going to take more money and that likely is going to be attached to this government shutdown. So a, and a big omnibus or something. Yeah, they'll call it a mini bus, but it'll be pretty omni to me and you because yeah. it'll be trillions of dollars. But uh, yeah, that would that would be where we're targeting, hopefully a plus up or an addition of funds to the CCC. That's a year-over-year year fund that gets replenished with the fiscal year of the government. Um, Is it mostly disaster relief? Uh, it's supposed to be not like natural disaster, but market-related market things. Okay. Yeah. So, and part of that that people forget is it's sent, uh, it's bought-up product like dairy and other things um, that gets put into like foreign aid or even domestic aid. Uh, there's other pieces and domestic and foreign promotion and all these things. But yeah. the big piece that farmers really care about is the majority of it was a direct payment program. So we're hopeful that attached to this, this rush to get something passed. Yeah. And the imminent is the word I was looking for imminent continuing resolution or uh, spending package. However, it comes in this minibus, omnibus, whatever bus is, what we're going to be fighting for is an addition to the CCC. That hasn't been updated since the 70s. Me and your paycheck in the 70s would look a lot better than it looks in 2020. 
Uh, same goes for farmers. If you're going to have a program, it needs to be up with the times of inflation and all those things. So right, right now it's in the 20 billion per year uh, range. I forget the number that CCC has in it. I think it's 22 and a half billion. But and that's a number that was set back in the 70s. Right. Wow. Well, we're hopeful for it to be. AFBF did a study to be 58 almost 60 billion so 3x right almost if you had that there'd be a lot more flexibility to cover more people and you know commodities right to to provide more so we're talking about the government stuff i had one more thing i really want to talk to you about and that's you talked about your row crop and livestock and crawfish really aren't your thing i want to get back to that but real quick on the government thing we have talked about leadership making a lot of these decisions before it gets to conference how helpful is it for us to have someone like steve scalise the major, uh, minority whip from Louisiana, very aware of the issues that we have here in Louisiana being in that conversation. Right. So when you're a state like Louisiana, where you've got uh, six congressional seats and, you know, it, we're relatively small in the grand scheme of the 50 states to have somebody like a minority whip that gets to go in those negotiations. Yeah. His top job when he's in that room is to represent his party and his his team. Mm-hmm. But we all know anybody from his part of the world is going to be Louisiana uh, focused and and true to their roots. Uh, he's going to do his job the right way. But it man, it's it's a big deal to have the whip of minority or majority in your state, and and he does a great job to to tune into those issues that we need him to. So, so. that may be a good mark on crawfish or other louisiana commodities yeah yeah we especially for something like crawfish um that wouldn't be heard otherwise Mm. i mean that that's not just having him though we've you know to have all the representation we did on this i think uh not i think i know that that's one of the main reasons that crawfish got what we did out of this program i mean yeah there was a lot of niche market stuff that ended up in this program but something like crawfish that's so unique and it's it's what a lot of our state the culture of our state it's it's not just me yeah the farmers and their business but it's what louisiana one of the things that louisiana is so known for well and that's we talk to our members all the time about tell your story tell your story well that's part of what i did in my lobbying efforts on this was not you know when i go to a Mike Johnson or uh, Steve Scalise even who uh, may not have a ton of crawfish in their district you talk to him about the culture and the the trickle down effect or the spider web effect that crawfish dollars have they selling them all over the state we know that caterers you know it's it creates jobs it creates opportunities out there besides just that farmer that has traps and a a boat and goes and gets it out of the field well you've learned a lot about crawfish i've learned a lot about crawfish we've all learned a lot about politics and how money makes its way from washington back to the farmer but you were raised in soybean not so much raised in soybeans but that's where your education was you spent a lot of time in north mississippi and north louisiana working row crop issues how did you find your way into this crawfish not mess, but all all of this crawfish work that you've been doing over the last four or five months. 
Well, my title as National Affairs Coordinator is to take the issues that are important to our members and carry them to the national stage to connect the issues of the Farm Bureau member to our U.S. congressional member. So whenever I'm called upon to do that, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I got good teammates, you know, in our commodity department and all, you know, field staff, PR, whoever that that help surface these issues. But um, what our bosses have charged me to do is make sure we have good communication with those offices to make sure that they're heard loud and clear and and uh, provide them with the info they need mm -hmm. so the the first line of credit has to go to the the involved member that we have the the jb hanks that's our crawfish chairman uh that committee came together uh ron harrell who is the uh, director of crawfish uh, that committee for our staff they got that group together and they just happened to ask me to join to to hear what was going on and before we know it they had the foresight as farmers uh, who don't necessarily have all day every day to be focused on this to kind of point to me and say okay uh, we're going to create a working group that's going to direct you and ron and other staff how to do this or what we want to see done but we're going to count on your expertise on how to get it done so so that group kind of formed out of the louisiana farm bureau crawfish advisory committee that's exactly right okay yep. yeah they who all was on that kind of working group like not farm i mean was it people from all different like parts of the state yeah so they you know our advisory committees are farmers and and our members that's the way they're designed but they saw a need with this that they weren't the experts in data collection in lobbying efforts so they the, the majority of this working group that we've talked about was farmers. That's how Farm Bureau works. We're mm -hmm. going to keep the farmer uh, outnumbering everybody else. But we included uh, Commissioner Mike Strain. Uh, he's been a huge help. We included myself and Ron and some other Farm Bureau staff. And then LSU came in, not just with crawfish uh, specialists, uh, Greg Lutz, and then area agent Mark Shirley, but then also their uh, econ team. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a bachelor's in economics, but I don't crunch numbers anymore. Uh, <laughs> so to have somebody like a Kirk Guidry, who is a hands down champion of disaster econ work mm -hmm. uh, was huge. And yeah. so that's, that's where it started. So that group pretty much brought you in and said, we need you to take this on our behalf to the to to the the members yeah so just think of it you know as a football team um you know i would i'd probably put myself in the quarterback ranks because i was studying it every day and, and learning everybody's position and where they were at on things but um we had you know i'm not gonna do an analogy for everybody but we had a full-on team and everybody had to play their role and and put that together to push this forward and, and we marched it down the field and coach O would have been proud and you know one team one heartbeat we got it done hey he still got crawfish farmers to raise some crawfish for him to eat so yeah yeah he, well, he, would, he be would be proud. proud um so we've gotten it there the work's not done though right what else is there to still be done on like on this issue on crawfish or on cfap in general well whether it's crawfish or cows or whoever this didn't make anybody whole and the pandemic's not over there's we've adapted and and the industry and farmers and the supply chain all those things have 
have done a great job in in the new normal as everybody likes to say but there's still more challenges we got people that have that are still out in the cold uh talk to butch oaks in north louisiana who's a chicken farmer he'll tell you he's still waiting on some help uh so there's issues out there that we're still working on and then there's ones that like crawfish that yeah 65 cents from january to april was great but that was the peak of the season there's a whole backside of that mountain that had a steep slope to it and Mm -hmm. a lot of a hurt and so we'll we'll keep fighting those battles Uh, this team's not done we met today the crawfish working group did to to help roll this program out Uh, folks will see stuff next week on that but there's a lot more work to do Uh, that's that's an interesting thing that i've honestly had to transition just back to a personal note when i was in research and was a research farmer my year had seasons i planted beans and uh, mainly beans um you know in april and in may and a little bit in june i harvested them at the end of the year and then i didn't have you know i did some data and wrote some things just like a farmer you know can can take off a little more and prep for next year but is is a lot slower uh in the lobbying game there's always a next season there's always a next congress a next bill uh the money never stops and the the pressure you can't let off the gas yeah even once once the uh shutdown happens or once uh a lot of the uh congressmen come home to start campaigning there's still work for you to be doing as far as keeping these issues on the forefront maybe either with their staffs staffs or here at home relaying messages like this like hey here's what you need to do so you got a busy uh a busy month ahead of you don't you wouldn't you say yeah it's it's uh but that's why i love it you know something different every day uh it's always a a challenge and you know our members don't stop either they they push us to to keep going and find that next thing but i will one piece i do want to just put out there that you know carl because we talk about it all the time that's near and dear to me is this was a huge win for Louisiana Farm Bureau. If you have ever seen a Farm Bureau meeting, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. I'll fully admit that. And they they write my check. But uh, if you don't see how without Farm Bureau and leaders stepping up and taking a little extra time that's not in there, uh, that doesn't wind up in their, you know, scale tickets or whatever, um, this was the time if if louisiana if they hadn't come to us at louisiana farm bureau unified our voice washington never would have heard it mm-hmm. and these crawfish folks that are out in the countryside that are really hurting never would have got any relief so mm-hmm. for those that are involved or probably the ones more so that listen to this go tell your neighbor this story tell them about how uh next time you eat crawfish just say hey man uh did you know that that crawfish had a really tough season last year and that might be why the price is up next year a little bit well it would be even worse if if there wasn't a louisiana farm bureau out there fighting for us Mm -hmm. so you know i love selling our organization because i love it but uh it is important and and folks don't see that very often yeah well i mean when you think about it on the national scale the number of crawfish farmers is almost almost invisible like you don't even see them on the national scale of farmers it's such a small and niche market and for them to have a voice loud enough to be heard in Washington through Farm Bureau has been pretty impressive for them to actually get wrapped into this CFAP money. Well, I'll just tell you, back in April, the first conference call I had with a, a very high official at USDA, uh, 
he and, and me and uh, Mr. Jim Harper was on the call as well as filling in as vice president at that time and now our president. But Mr. Jim would tell you this too. When we started this effort, the first time he and I uttered crawfish farming to USDA in, in April looking for some help, uh, they called it seafood. They really didn't know that it was farmed and tried to push us over to commerce and very quickly you know just nicely and neighborly we educated them they were just ignorant to the fact they hadn't been down here to see it um that no there's you know there's hundreds of thousands of acres of crawfish ponds that are managed as a commodity you know as a crop and uh um, we we consider them farming so that's where we started and today uh we were called multiple times since this came out this week the model of what CFAP submissions should have looked like. So uh, if that's not a win and a story to be told, I don't know what is. It's going to go on your, uh, your wall of your, your trophy case? Well, I, I don't have a uh, crystal crawfish yet to put on the shelf, but uh, I'm just, I'm proud for our members. I hope that they are too, and I hope that they get the relief they need and, you know, we'll keep fighting. Well, you say it's a model for how a CFAP would you say a CFAP application or CFAP submission, submission yeah. should be? Mm-hmm. This is a model for what Farm Bureau, just like you were saying, model for what Farm Bureau can do as an organization when you, you know, gather some like-minded people and, you know, bring about some action. And it's kind of cool to see that pay off. And even in the the six months that it's been from date from, you know, February, March, whenever all this kind of started to now, it's like, wow, that's, you know, when we started this thing, like you just said, they didn't even know they thought it was seafood, well, and, and to have it included in this now, it's like wow, that's you've been you've been quite busy, but to see it kind of pay off, it's got to be awesome for you. Well, it's not just me, y'all's team, PR, everybody has a part to play because we've had a lot of news stations in the state in crawfish growing country that don't know how to tell the story of crawfish. So it it's a it's a everyday challenge for farming being less than two percent of the the population to tell their story, but. It does pay off. I just want to make that loud and clear that it doesn't always pay off every day, but in the end, it does. That's awesome. Well, let's wrap it up there. Andy, thank you for your time. Thank you for all the work that you've done over the last five, six months. Uh, I know you've only been you're a year and a half into Farm Bureau job. Yeah. This well, Farm Bureau yeah, job. This, uh, this role. This role, that's right. So it's quite the uh, been quite the, the year, too. Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> It's been fun. Uh, it's been challenging, but that's why I get up and go to work every day is to, to help these folks. Yeah. Well, you've done a great job and I appreciate it. I know the farmers do too. And uh, for all of you listening, if there's anything you want to learn, we'll have a lot of links in our description for you to go find. And if you like what you've heard, if you have maybe a neighbor that wants to hear this or that you think would be would benefit from hearing some of this information, maybe a crawfish farmer that's not as involved or uh, even a specialty crop guy that maybe could benefit from some of these new inclusions share this with them show them how to use it show them how to podcast i know i've had to do that with some friends of mine parents of mine for sure but uh that's that's just that's what we can do to help get the word out that this is i mean we like we said a minute ago we have four weeks to apply four weeks from from monday so get that application in get those phone calls made reach out to your local fsa office and we'll have like i said in the description we'll have a bunch of links to different uh, resources for you. We want this Farm Bureau podcast, this grassroots government podcast to be a resource to you. And if it is, give it a like, 
subscribe, leave us a review, tell us what you think. And uh, we really appreciate your time listening. And uh, again, thanks a lot, Andy. And we'll talk to you all next time.